This is the Robot Podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Robot Podcast. Um, today is going to be a little bit different show. There's several uh, announcements that we got to make. Um, I'm actually going to save those for the end because they're basically house cleaning and anybody who is tuning in for the first time won't really care. So I'd like to get right into the content. I would like to say at first, though, this uh, show, this uh, is the first show of the Robot Podcast that is being filmed. So we're going to be putting this up on YouTube. Um, it's not terribly interesting. It's going to be me talking, and we might put some glyphs up right about here if you're watching right now. That's where they should show up. Let's see a glyph right there now just to test. Robot. Cool. Um, so, yes, we are converting the robot podcast kind of from an exclusively podcast format to more of a YouTube channel, and we'll go into that in more detail um, as time goes by. But first, what I would like to talk about um, – Something that's come up this week, the biggest news in robot news this week that I thought was significant, it's of a topic that I don't particularly like to discuss, even though it's a very important topic, but it's tough to just bring up in passing. So we're going to dedicate more shows to this, and that's going to kind of be a theme of another uh, project that we're working on. But let's go ahead and go into this. Um, The news this week was the fact that Elon Musk stated that uh, he believes that human-level AI um, is very likely going to come about in the next decade, the next 10 years from right now. Uh, It was during a Tesla event. He was talking about uh, Tesla's self-driving abilities. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, The self-driving capabilities. And he was uh, showing what their new hardware hardware for AI could do as well as what they were developing to get their self-driving cars to work. And he made that statement that human-level AI, general-purpose AI, is very likely going to be possible in the next 10 years. Now, we've had this discussion before of kind of how do you evaluate these predictions. Um, And we've had the topic of discussion of that some AI researchers do not agree with the concept of a human-level AI even in our lifetimes, whereas many others and many businessmen and public figures are addressing it. Um, Of the public figures that are actively advocating AI safety and the coming of high-level AI systems, Elon Musk is one of the most credible because he is the deepest in the technology. He is a very technical person. He has a great history in engineering, um, and he's working with the best people in the field trying to move it forward. So of the people who are advocating or pursuing these kind of uh, agendas, I'm going to say agendas, that's not really quite the right word, but people who are in the publicizing of this, He's one of the most reliable sources that I would consider. So I do take his uh, words to heart, and I consider them very closely as I would any uh, well-respected academic or professional or philosopher in the context. So within that, we've talked about AI and what it can do. So you can go ahead and look at one of our past shows for that. What I wanted to do with this, um, this concept of the the, the human-level AI coming up, was talk about what are the safety features that people are starting to pursue um, in this context of creating what could potentially be a super intelligence that's better than us. Uh, We're not going to go into the details of 
how that would work or anything else. That's for a different show. Um, but the, the, the principles that AI researchers are right now using to guide themselves in how they create this technology. Um, and in my, my research and what has come up in, in relation to the Musk announcement was the fact uh, – was the Aslamar um, AI principles – uh, which were generated in 2017 at the uh, Beneficial AI Conference of 2017, where a bunch of AI researchers got together and they basically decided what are a few of the, the guiding lights or the guiding ideas that we need to um, develop a safe AI that is helps humanity without displacing us or destroying us, basically. What are the uh, safe practices that we can do this? And this was a, a multinational group that went through all of these. And they came up with 23, these Aslamar, um, Aslamar uh, AI principles. So I'm going to go ahead and read these and kind of break them apart because there's a few. They've, they've broken them into um, basically three different categories, which are uh, research issues, ethics and values, longer-term issues. Anybody who's watching this on YouTube knows that I've got it on my screen right now. That's fine. I need a reference because we're basically going to read these verbatim and then break them apart. So the very first one that comes up are the research issues uh, with respect to this concept of these 23 guiding lights for developing a safe AI. Um, The first research goal, the goal of AI research should be to create not undirected intelligence, but beneficial intelligence. This is really sort of the concept of someone creating intelligence for intelligence sake and seeing what happens. Are they creating it just to see if they can create it or are they doing it with a purpose and therefore directing the intelligence in some kind of way? And I think this is a very good first choice um, because it eliminates kind of the Jurassic Park uh, mentality of we were so quick to see if we could, we didn't stop to think if we should. Um, and working towards a beneficial intelligence that has some function and some use helps direct researchers in creating something that is not only useful and beneficial to, to us, um, but helps them make sure that they give it goals and give it purpose and give it rules that help to maintain control and protect it and protect us. So I, I think that's a very good first goal. The goal of AI research should be to create not undirected intelligence but beneficial intelligence. Don't create an intelligence and turn it loose. Create something with a purpose, with a very direct uh, set of applications. So now, the second research goal. Investments in AI should be accompanied by funding for research or ensuring its beneficial use, including thorny questions in computer science, economics, law, ethics, social studies, such as And they go into four different things, like uh, how can we make future AI systems highly robust so that they can do what we want without malfunctioning or getting hacked? So basically, there are four little bullet points below the the main statement. Um, The funding to ensure its beneficial use is basically to make sure that research funding, again, is not just to create this, create this computer intelligence, but create it with a purpose and create it with an intent that therefore helps focus how it's implemented and how it's controlled. Um, All of this is about creating a safe system that uh, people can work with and not be scared of it getting loose or being compromised or redirected in a way that's negative towards humanity. Number three, the science policy link. There should be constructive and healthy exchange between AI researchers and policymakers. 
this is very legitimate too. I, I like the way they came up with these goals because they work towards making sure that this is in everyone's mind as we go ahead. Um, if you have worked in academia or politics, you know that the or in private enterprise, the three different groups don't really intermix except to exchange money. <laughs> um, normally, researchers go on about their business, and unless your grant is directly from the government or from policymakers, um, then you would never particularly work to explain what you're doing to them. But with AI and the, the consequences that are so far reaching from this technology, it is very important that those discussions take place and that policymakers understand what is possible, what is coming, and to what level they can regulate it and whether that will be useful or not. Um, because politicians are not generally very well versed in uh, AI capabilities or computer science, and they need to have that communication back and forth to make sure that they are making intelligent decisions. So, number four, research culture. A culture of cooperation, trust, and transparency should be fostered among researchers and developers of AI. This is also interesting. Because right now, most of the AI work is being done at private uh, institutions. Google is probably the main leader in AI right now. Tesla is becoming a leader right there since Musk is, uh, basically has a pool of AI researchers from OpenAI that he gets to pull into Tesla. Uh, one of the top researchers there is the head of AI at Tesla. But these companies generally are working for patents and uh, intellectual property control, which is very valuable, especially with AI coming up. It's considered one of the most valuable technologies that will be coming in the next decade in any form. It already is. It drives a lot of the things that you do online at the moment. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So creating a culture of cooperation, trust, and transparency isn't inherent in a private enterprise when you are competing with other companies to create this stuff. But it is necessary in this so that everybody can kind of view and have some concept of what is going on and basically bring more eyes into it to see if you're doing something shady, uh, unethical, or dangerous in what you're creating in your AI research. So that. And again, another very good goal. Most, all of these are very good goals. I haven't found one particularly that I disagree with, um, but anyway. Race avoidance. Teams developing AI systems should actively cooperate to avoid corner cutting or safety standards. So race avoidance, uh, in the normal societal context, most people would immediately go race as in ethnicity. This is race avoidance as in people competing against each other and therefore creating an unhealthy environment where the cooperation isn't present. Um, should actively cooperate to avoid corner cutting or safety standards. If you're in a race, you will get to the, you will try to get to the safety line by any means necessary, which means that you might cheat or you might not put in a safeguard that you think is kind of superfluous. So trying to get everybody to be comfortable with their situation and take each step as it comes safely is very important in this so that somebody doesn't create an AI and not put in the kill switch um, when they turn it loose on the internet or something along those lines. So again, the research goals as a whole are to basically make sure everybody is calmly and collectively working on an AI that is beneficial. 
not creating an AI for the sake of creating an AI and seeing what happens, neither creating it in a hurry to, again, get it out there and then see what happens. So collectively create something that's good and um, based on basically a consensus is considered a good. A group of your peers evaluate what you do, see if it is correct, see if it's safe, and then you move on to the next step and see if it's good. So those are the research issues. Ethics and values. Number six, safety. AI systems should be safe and secure throughout their operational lifetime and verifiably so where applicable and feasible. This one is a little bit shady if it was ever to be used in a legal context. They should be made safe and secure during their lifetime where applicable and feasible. Currently, many AI systems, there are functions and programs and algorithms that are used within AI that where we insert a variable that is not, that we don't understand why we use it. We use it because it works and some researchers stumbled upon it and we continue to use it because it gives good results, but we don't understand why particularly. That is dangerous because it is therefore not able to be verifiably safe because it's not feasible to verify it right now. It's not possible to do it because the, the foundation of it isn't in place. We've built a, a skyscraper, but we don't have the foundation on it because we, don't, we built it because it works and it's still standing, but we don't know what's going to make it fall over. That is kind of dangerous, but we're doing it because it works. It's like you use duct tape because it's fine. Um, but that's not a good solution. Much of AI too, which is deep learning, neural networks, that kind of stuff, since they evolve and change, it's very difficult to create a system that predicts how a uh, neural system will react. So therefore, verification becomes almost impossible because you're creating almost an organic system inside of the silicon, inside of the software that evolves and changes based on its stimuli and what it's exposed to. So we hope that it's safe and secure and people are working on verifiable mathematical methods to make sure that it's safe and secure. But at this moment, much of what we're doing is very black box. And it's not, it's a little bit shady and very difficult to meet this goal in a way that is quantifiably good and correct. So there's a danger with that one. And applicable and feasible in a legal context is a little bit uh, kind of a, a loophole. But anyway, so that one is one that I kind of have an issue with. Yes, it's great if we can do that, but it doesn't really force it. And it's, um, it's not technically feasible in many areas right at this moment. Um, the state of the art will improve, but at this moment there's a lot of stuff that goes outside of what this thing can address. Failure transparency. If an AI system causes harm, it should be possible to ascertain why. This basically goes back to the last one. Neural systems, since they grow and are very similar to an organic system, that we can't directly put in a variable and know exactly what we're going to get out. Uh, this one is a tough one to achieve. But this is why this is on the school list, too, because we need to better understand how these systems work so that we can evaluate them and judge them to be safe and those kind of things. Judicial transparency. Any involvement by an autonomous system in judicial decision-making 
should provide a satisfactory explanation auditable by a com- competent human authority. So when this machine is making decisions, it should give a reason why that a human can understand, not some machine language, well, this is what I squirted out and I'm always right. It's to make sure that it is human-readable dialogue, basically, between this machine's decision and what the, the person expects. Responsibility. Designers and builders of advanced AI systems are stakeholders in the moral implications of their use, misuse, and actions, with responsibility and opportunity to shape those implications. So this is responsibility. If you made the machine, you're liable for what it does or what it screws up. If you take credit for when it does good stuff, you're going to take credit when it goes bad, and you cannot blame the machine. And this this makes sure that researchers again are operating in a, a safe um, in in a in an environment where it is necessary for them to take responsibility. Um, I'm conking out on the word right at the moment that I want to use, but uh, anyway, the attribution of blame, the uh, yeah, the assignment of blame is now possible with this. Value alignment. Highly autonomous AI systems should be designed so that their goals and behaviors can be assured to align with human values throughout their operation. Yes, we want them to be on our team. We don't want them to be their own team. Um, That one's, again, a hairy one that's really non-quantifiable because it kind of depends on which human values, if you want to get political about it. Uh, But again, these these are broad... Um, goals and statements that people need to have in mind when they're designing these things. Uh, Let's see here. Number 12, personal privacy. People should have the right to access, manage, and control the data they generate, given AI systems power to analyze and utilize that data. Um, In the context of personal privacy, I I had an interesting conversation that I'd like to bring up with this um, just the other day. I was speaking with a woman about modern technology and how social networks are kind of invasive in that they're looking at your data and making assignments to you and that kind of stuff. And me with personal privacy, I don't particularly mind an algorithm making my life better because an algorithm doesn't care what I'm doing. Uh, Back in the day when you had shared phone lines and an operator in between who are all listening to you on the phone – that is far more invasive and dangerous than many of the algorithmic tracking systems that exist today. Uh, with the advent of an intelligent AI, that may, might kind of change because it goes from an algorithm that's just moving numbers around, of that's kind of describe you, to uh, a thing with some kind of context, the capability of putting context in all that kind of stuff, uh, which then becomes more invasive than normal. But this is a general privacy policy that everybody wants privacy should be able to have privacy. So there's nothing particularly special about that. But in the context of technology privacy, I wanted to bring that up, that interesting juxtaposition of our privacy is invaded right now by companies' computers, whereas in the past it was invaded by people just blatantly. And we're mainly – we feel most violated when our privacy is invaded by people. Uh, liberty and privacy. The applic- number 13. The application of AI to personal data must not unreasonably curtail people's real or perceived liberty. Um, this is the AI can't go tattle to the feds if you have some political belief, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's the most blunt way of putting that. 
<laughs> uh, number 14, shared benefit. AI technology should benefit and empower as many people as possible. Yes, this is a very altruistic goal um, within the context of it. We know that AI is going to impact the world as a whole. Um, this is a, a this is an academic argu- argument of, yes, it should empower as many people as we can. Uh, there'll be pitfalls within that, but it's a, it's a noble goal. Shared prosperity. The economic prosperity created by AI should be shared broadly to benefit all of humanity. Again. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, the economic prosperity created by AI. Um, yes. Very altruistic, very hopeful goal to work towards um, and to make sure that it's not certain technologies like a super powerful AI is not centralized to a government the way like nuclear arms is. It's a noble goal. Um, It's an academic goal. It may not be politically feasible. Human control. Humans should choose how and whether to delegate decisions to AI systems to accomplish human chosen objectives. This is basically, we don't want Skynet making all of our decisions for us. We want to be in the loop. Fairly simple. Non-subversion. The power conferred by control of highly advanced AI systems should respect and improve rather than subvert the social and civic processes by which the health of society depends. Again, the AI can't be the political chooser of how our life goes. We are still in control of our political systems and how we operate. The AI cannot suddenly say, okay, this is how you all should be living now because I know best. Even though it may, that's still our prerogative. These ethics statements, that's the last of them. That's number seven. Oh, no, there's one more. I'm sorry. Number 18 is the last one. Um, I'll hang on. Let's read 18. AI arms race. An arms race in lethal autonomous weapons should be avoided. Yeah, noble goal. All of these ethics arguments, pretty much all of them that we hit, are great altruistic goals that will probably not occur in our planet and human society. AI will be weaponized. Um, It will not be used for the benefit of all mankind. We hope that it will be used for the benefit of some mankind as opposed to running off on its own. But these ethics and these, these controls, these, these, these goals of 6 through 18 are great goals that show what's possible and what the best utopian vision could be. Um, but they're not really practicable or practical. So, yes, it's great to have these. It's great to have them in mind. But they are something that's... I, I personally believe to be basically unachievable um, because we're humans. Humans bend rules, and humans are, are split into different societies and different means of living, and there are arms races and those kind of things. While it would be best if they were avoided and uh, to avoid a, a cold war of AI, basically, that may or may not occur. Um, when we're working with AI, we are working with something as significant as nuclear weapons. I've compared robotics to basically the next nuclear weapon in the past of what it's capable of, how it's going to shift the the military landscape. But uh, yeah, these are these are academic goals, as I've said for, for just about every one of them. Um, they're not really practical, and I don't believe we'll achieve them as much as I wish that we could. But as a, a human global society, there's going to be outliers in this. Because there always is. 
Longer term issues. Capability caution. There being no consensus, we should avoid strong assumptions regarding upper limits on future AI capabilities. Yeah, we don't know how powerful this thing will be. We don't know if it'll be too powerful or not powerful enough. We don't know if too powerful is a bad thing, really. So this is basically to say, let's not automatically put a bottle cap on us and pretend to try to keep a genie in the bottle. I'm using two metaphors in the same one, but that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> but yeah, we, the, the researchers here are trying to keep their options open, of that we are still free to create and go as far as we can so long as we're doing so safely and responsibly. There's no reason to say, don't try to fly because we don't know if you'll fly off the planet. But when you jump off the, try jumping off a hill and then your roof and then a cliff and then something else. Take some steps here. So that's 19. Number 20, importance. Advanced AI could represent a profound change in the history of life on Earth and should be planned for and managed with commensurate care and resources. This is a nice umbrella statement for basically the whole thing. It's going to, it could represent a profound change in the history of Earth. Therefore, we have to be very careful, very responsible, very considerate of how we implement it, how we address it, how we create it. There's not much to be said there. It's very important. we got to make sure that we handle it with a venerability, basically. There's some level of veneration, what I meant to say. Risks. Risks posed by AI systems, especially catastrophic or existential risks, must be subject to planning and mitigation efforts commensurate with their expected impact. If an AI can potentially take over the world because you gave it control of the nuclear defense system, to use a cliche, you had better very heavily verify that AI and make sure that you plan and control it to a level that is beyond that is equal to the amount of value that it now has in, and power it has in that position. Pretty obvious one, but one that's important in stating. Don't throw these things together and then take the Google AI for natural language processing and put it in control of a nuclear arsenal. There won't be a one-size-fits-all fits all option. That would be fairly dangerous. Recursive self-improvement. AI systems designed to recursively self-improve or self-replicate in a manner that could lead to rapidly increasing quality or quantity must be subject to strict safety and control measures. Basically, if this AI can grow and reproduce, which, no, not all of them can't. Um, all of them conceivably could, if you get a general purpose AI, but if you have one that has those capabilities, make sure that it's in a non-internet connected server room, basically, when you turn it on, those kind of things. Common good. Super intelligence should only be developed in the service of widely shared ethical ideals and for the benefit of all humanity rather than one state or organization. This one is very interesting. Common good changes from one society to another. Universal ethical ideals are not selected right now in our world. There are not a set of universal ethics that most people identify. 
many philosophers were to argue that there are common goods that exist out there, but most societies do not recognize all of them. So in programming or creating an AI with universal goods that have not yet been accepted or chosen or detailed, there's a few things. Like you don't kill people and you probably don't steal stuff from people unless you're at war or something like that. And then you get into this terrible thicket of philosophical questions that keep people awake at night who are in philosophy majors. But creating that universal morality is something that has not been quantitatively defined. There's a few basic ones out there that pretty much everybody can agree on. And anybody who's creating these things will probably be able to agree on. But universally, the world over and across all societies, the details are going to get awfully hairy on this one. This one... Um, I'm going to say is basically a godlike goal. What are the universal moralities that we are going to assign to these entities that we're creating? Um, and I don't generally try to be sp spiritual in these podcasts, but this is basically a spiritual goal to impart a morality onto these machines when morality has not been quantified yet. Um, so that one is by far the most complex. The other ones are utopian. This one is spiritual. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I have no other word for that right at the moment. It's basically a spiritual goal for these AI. Um, but that's the last one. I don't have anything else to say there. Uh, let me know down in the comments. Give me your opinions on each one of these things. Um, let me know what you think of the 23. <coughs> Excuse me. The 23 Azalamar um, AI principles. Azalamar, if you, to spell that, A-S-I-L-O-M-A-R. Uh, these basically are meant to be the, the Asimov's three laws of robotics times plus 20. Um, basically, be good for humans, help humans, and have the morality of humans. That's kind of what we're going for. And make sure that when you're doing it, you're creating with intent as opposed to creating for the sake of creation. Because creating for the sake of creation creates dangerous things. And with that, I think I'm going to end the, the main part of our show. Those are the things. I wanted to talk about those. This, uh, the Eslamar uh, the principles, these 23 principles are basically been rotated as a petition that can be signed by a number of different folks. Uh, most uh, Many prominent researchers in it, like the uh, Dennis Hazabis. Sorry. <laughs> Azibis. Uh He's the founder and CEO of DeepMind, which is now owned by Google. Uh, Google's head of research, uh, Stephen Hawking, Elon Musk, Sam Altman, uh, many prominent Silicon Valley folks. <coughs> but this has basically been rotated as a petition, and many of the people who are working in AI, the vast majority of the AI community, the leaders in the AI community, have endorsed this. Um, so it's out there. You can find it at futureoflife.org. You can see these principles, how they came about, um, and kind of some more discussion on them. All right. So that's where we're going to end the main part of the show. Now, the announcements. So, like I said, we've basically been off for a year. Uh, the Robot Podcast is going to take a slightly different format uh, from this point on. Uh, we basically did three to four months last year of weekly shows. 
Um, and that was too much that, uh, for us to be able to handle. So we weren't able to continue to get new guests and new content and make it meaningful because you end up talking about a robot uprising every week, and I hate that kind of stuff. I don't want to talk about that. Um, I wanted to talk about the technology, the possibilities, the, the different implementations of robotics and artificial intelligence and the people creating it. That's what the point of this show was, to talk about the, the business and the people of robotics with the technology thrown in. I didn't want to get caught into Terminator discussions every week, and we've already done too many shows about that at a number of like two or three, and that's more than I wanted to do. Um, so over this next year, probably starting in January, we're going to continue to do the interviews. It, the show, um, we don't have a set schedule yet. It will probably be biweekly to monthly or maybe as we're able to. Uh, quite honestly, guys, we're not following a very deep structure on this because we're still fighting with it to what is the best structure to pursue this with. So we will record shows. We're going to try to make sure we will definitely have a show per month. That's what we're shooting for. Uh, we may have extra shows on the side where we expound on certain things or have basically an after-hours show. But and the, the, the big change that's kind of coming up is the reason we're cutting back on the robot podcast is because we wanted to expand our horizons. We wanted to talk about technology as a whole and the ethical problems with technology because that's kind of what this show has turned into, discussing AI and the ethical and political ramifications of that. I like talking about a lot of different things, so I was kind of the main driver behind this, but we're going to be starting a YouTube channel where initially we will focus on sort of robotics and AI and technology news and then breaking it apart into the, the ramifications and the business and the people of it. Uh, that will allow us to have a little bit more content without having to have guests every week. Uh, it will be kind of an AI news show uh, on YouTube. The reason we switch to YouTube as opposed to just a, a more frequent podcast is very often we, we talk about robots, not the abstract computer science that drives them. And in robots, you have mechanisms and machines, and explaining them verbally is not always good enough when you can just throw up a picture right here and have people understand immediately through that visual. So we want to go to YouTube. The new show that will be in addition to the robot podcast, we will post the robot podcast with video from now on, um, basically in a raw form online so people can watch it on YouTube. But the new show right now is tentatively titled Thinking Out Loud, which is and it's going to start out in technology, but then it's going to kind of extend to societal and sort of philosophical questions. So it's going to be probably a little bit headier uh, once in a while as opposed to the, the raw details of stuff. It's going to be large, broad questions, and we'll probably talk about certain political issues at certain times and everything else. But the need for a a detailed technology news show has kind of become uh, uh, brought forward to my me more often uh, than I would care to, and I haven't found somebody who addresses it. You have technology reviewers, you have general news shows, you have uh, philosophical shows that ask interesting questions. Like I, I would reference like Nerdwriter if you were familiar with uh, Evan's work there, um, but there's not a technology centric. A discussion show there. We're thinking, yeah, we're calling it Thinking Out Loud or uh, 
talking to myself, something like that, something along those lines. Uh, I'll be the host again, uh, Gabe Benz, and we'll go through different things. It will be very controversial, and we know that. We're not going to we're we're not planning to be taking a political side in any of the things that we do. We will be addressing both sides as in depth as we can. But in any news show, when you're talking about philosophical things like AI, which is very philosophical at the moment, even though there's technical challenges with it, it's going to there's going to be some bias get into it eventually, and we're going to try to make sure that we denote that and make sure that there's the facts over here. And then the philosophical thoughts right here and kind of show those two sides and where we might be kind of falling on that. It's going to be unavoidable. We're going to try to avoid it, but it's probably going to come through. So we ask that you please be patient with us as we work with that. It's a, it's a baby show. We're still working on the format here, um, trying to detail how we want to do it. We want to do a small segment of news and then a big question at the end, basically, which is kind of the format that the robot podcast tried out. Um, and we're going to kind of pursue a little bit more. But, yeah, basically the small snippets and details at the beginning of the show about the greatest technology and the latest video from Boston Dynamics. Here it is. Here's narration. Here's reaction. Um, because <coughs> excuse me, because you got to have that kind of stuff. And then at the end, the discussion, basically. Um, so we invite you all to come join us there for Thinking Out Loud in the next shows. We'll uh, reveal more details. We'll include links and that kind of stuff. But we think YouTube will be a better platform for that kind of a show and for the robot podcast in general um, to make sure that we get communicated as well as we can because we need a visual media to talk about many of these concepts and much of the stuff that's happening right now in the technology. So... That's a very long-winded announcement, but yes, the Robot Podcast is basically going to be turned into a, a monthly show. We're going to focus primarily on interviews, um, hopefully of different startup founders and those kind of things working in robotics. Uh, we've got a couple lined up for the next uh, for January and February of next year that we would like to uh, speak with. Uh, beyond that, we're not sure yet because uh, planning out time that far is pretty tough. But whenever somebody comes by, we try to grab them. If you have someone who is involved in the robotics field, please let us know. We love to talk to everybody, students, professors, researchers, uh, startup founders. We love them all. Send them our way. And with that, guys, I think we'll end the show right there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel now that we've recorded this. Check out the YouTube channel for the Robot Podcast. And just subscribe to uh, the, the Robot Podcast on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever you happen to be getting your podcast right now. Thanks, everybody.